join me as I pray. Gracious Father, God of light, God of glory, the one who has come among us to show us how high and wide and deep is the love of our Father. I pray that you would come and speak to us as we continue to worship you now. I pray that you would speak into our hearts those places we long to hear from you. Holy Spirit, come. Come guide us, come lead us, come renew us, come encourage us, come bring hope where we need it. Most of all, may you be glorified as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, the series that we're in that we began last week in the season of Epiphany is titled, For the Sake of Others. And I want to name that. Yes, it's on the bulletin, but I don't want you to miss it. For the sake of others. You see, what we find is as we seek to follow Jesus and have our lives reordered around His, our lives begin to take more of the shape of the life and ways of Christ. And Christ truly came, sent by His Father to live for the sake of others, to live for us so that we could have life, so that we could know life. That's what it looks like to live for the sake of others, caring and bringing the very presence of Jesus around. What we find in the gospel reading this morning is an invitation. It's an invitation for us to refocus, if you will, where we've been setting our eyes, to leave behind the other focal points that have grabbed our attention so that we can set our eyes truly on the one who is the author and giver of life. And the invitation is this. It's simple but yet profound as God's word always is. The invitation is come and see. Come and see. I believe come and see is the most welcoming invitation that we can give to anyone. It's an invitation to those who who don't believe in Jesus to come and bring your questions and see who he is, learn about him, and the hopes that you would come and find life and follow him. But it's an invitation for us as well, who who are followers of Christ, that we would come and see in fresh and new ways more and more the ways of Jesus, that we truly would submit ourselves to him and follow him. But it's also an invitation to come and receive the blessing that Jesus sees us. And we're going to look at that in a few minutes. The first thing I want to look at is this. Come and see is first and foremost an invitation for those who have been searching for meaning in life and the things of this world and coming up lacking. So if that's you this morning, listen. (laughs) The invitation is to come and see if you've been searching for life, for meaning, for purpose, and the things of this world, and you continue to find yourself lacking. In the 1830s, the, the great French political philosopher Alexis de Tocqueville looked at America had a keen insight on what was going on here in America at the time, and he said that he wrote these words, there's a strange melancholy that haunts the inhabitants in the midst of abundance. He saw that the people in America at that time, many of them lived in in quite lavish abundance. And it's interesting because one would think in the midst of abundance, we would have gratitude, we would have joy, there would be peace in our lives. But he noted something very interesting. A strange melancholy, if you will, haunts those who live in the midst of abundance. He later wrote this, The incomplete joys of this world will never satisfy the human heart. The incomplete joys of this world will never satisfy the human heart. 
all the prosperity that you and I could have or ever hope to have or want, seeking after the things of this world, friends, they will never satisfy what's longing in every one of our hearts. And that's not just an American phenomenon. It's a universal reality. (laughs) Things were never meant to satisfy our hearts. It's interesting, as I've been preparing uh, for this trip, Kimberly and I are leading later in the spring to to Greece, going through the footsteps of Paul. I've been doing a deeper dive into the culture and what the time was like in Paul's life when he lived and ministered. You see, in the ancient Greco-Roman world, every city had their own gods that people would go and worship. They went to worship in hopes that those gods, as they placated, as they gave themselves, and they would have blessing in return. They built these elaborate, lavish temples all around where people would go and worship. They also erected statues of these deities and placed them in public squares where people would go and bow down and worship and bring things to Gods like Aphrodite, Aphrodite, the goddess of beauty, Ares, the god of war, Artemis, the goddess of fertility and wealth. And it's interesting, when you read in the book of Acts and you come across Acts chapter 17, Luke brings a great narrative of what it was like when Paul went into Athens to speak about Jesus. He recounts Paul's visit to the Areopagus in Athens where philosophers would gather and have public debate. Here's the scene in Acts 17. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And he goes in a dialogue with them to tell them about who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. I love that he said this. As I passed along, I saw observed objects of worship. He said, you're very religious in every way. Even so, it's like they covered their bases. There were all these different gods and goddesses that they bowed down to. And just in case they missed one, there was an altar that was erected, not a statue, but an altar in the inscription to an unknown god to have all their bases covered. You know, it's interesting There's so many objects that you and I can tend to worship as well. Things that we run to, things that we give ourselves to, things that we perceive will give us what we really want. And while we don't bow down to carved images or statues, some would say we're a little more sophisticated than that, we still have all sorts of things that in a spiritual sense we do bow down to. Things that we run to that we think are going to satisfy our longings and give us identity But friends, I want you to hear this. The reality is this. Nothing in this created world can give us what we're really longing for. It wasn't designed to. There are wonderful things in this world, but they were never made to satisfy the deeper desire of every human soul. But what we find in the passage this morning is there is one who came to do that, and his name is Jesus. In the gospel reading in John chapter 1, we meet a man named Philip. Jesus goes to Galilee, and he sees Philip, and he says, follow me. And what did Philip do? He followed him. He left what he was doing, left the things behind, and he followed Jesus. Why? I believe it was because Philip realized in his heart when he saw Jesus, and there's mystery around that, that what he'd been longing for 
what he'd been searching for, he realized he had just met the one that he's needed all his life. And so what do we find Philip doing? <laughs> Anytime you've got the good news, what are you going to do? You want to tell someone. So he goes to his friend Nathaniel, and we read this in verse 45. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. See, they had lived their lives, as the Jews had, looking, searching, longing, awaiting for the one who would rescue, save, forgive, restore, put together the brokenness of their lives in this world, the one who they were longing for, they finally found. The reality is it's not everyone in this world searches for a Savior, but we're all searching for something. All of us throughout history, humanity has always been searching for answers to the purpose and meaning of life. People have always been searching for happiness. And what we find here, Philip's invitation to Nathaniel, come and see, is an invitation to come and see the author of life. He's not just the author of life. He's the giver of life. He's the satisfier of our souls. He is the only one who can truly bring friends joy, peace, contentment, happiness, things that this world can never even touch. I was thinking about this interaction that Philip had with Jesus and then Nathaniel. I was reminded of the C.S. Lewis Narnia series. Many of y'all have probably read it. It was as if Philip had been, before meeting Jesus, living in the land of Narnia where it was always winter but never Christmas. I wonder if some of y'all can identify with that this morning. Living in a sense where it's always winter. We get a taste of it today. But where it's always winter and never Christmas. But when Philip saw Jesus, I believe the snow that was covering his heart began to melt away because he, was coming, he came face to face with the Savior of the world, the one he had always been looking for. See, friends, here's the reality of this world in which we live. Sin has darkened all of life, and it skewed the reality of all things. Without Jesus, it's like living as it's always winter and never Christmas. Could you imagine what that's like? Some of us can. But you see the reality that the Old Testament prophets, the Old Testament speaks about that one day there will be a Messiah, a king, the son of the living God who will come and take the cold bleakness of winter and bring Christmas, <laughs> bring the reality of a savior, bring joy, bring hope, bring peace back into our lives. I'm going to ask this before I move on. What have you been searching for? What have you been searching for? Wherever you've been searching for it, whatever you've been turning to for purpose, happiness, identity, friends, it will never satisfy you until you come face to face with Jesus. The invitation is to come and see. Come and see him. The second thing we see here in this passage is this. The invitation is come and see, not go and convince. Let me say it again. I think you might have gotten it. The invitation is come and see, not go and convince. I think a lot of times as followers of Jesus, when we're having conversation with friends or family who, who aren't following Jesus, we want to try to convince them, this is right, right? This is it. That's not our role, 
It's to invite them to see Jesus and come with their questions. In verse 46, this is what we read. Nathanael said to him, to Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. I love that because Philip brought his question. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, that question may not, might not mean a thing to you and me unless we do a deeper dive into his culture and where he was probably coming from. You see, Nathaniel was from Galilee, and he, like many others, had a prejudice of people from other villages. And they were prejudiced against people who lived in Nazareth. It was a place that was not well thought of by others. On your journey, you wouldn't be saying, hey, have you been to Nazareth? You really wouldn't go there. You wouldn't really want to be from there. And so Nathaniel is bringing that real question as, as Philip comes and says, the Messiah, the Savior, the King is here. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. But he's like, how could God's son come from a place like that? You know, Philip could have said, this is Jesus of Bethlehem. Now that would have a greater ring to it because Bethlehem was seen as a royal city. That was from where King David was from. And so you'd probably rather be from Bethlehem than Nazareth. And so Philip is trying, Nathaniel's trying to understand this. I, I kind of liken it like this. Uh, it, maybe you've got to be from Texas to really understand this. But where you live, your zip code matters. So much so that Kimberly and I were in a shop in January or December uh, when we were there for something and walked in, and, and you would see one of those plastic cups with a zip code on it. And a normal person would go, what in the world is that? But being from Houston, I knew exactly what they were getting at. There are certain zip codes that you want to say, hey, I'm from this zip code, and others that you wouldn't necessarily want to. That's kind of what's going on here in Nathaniel's mind. You're from this place? How could the Savior be from this place? But the beauty of this is, of course, Jesus would be known as Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't come to be this king from this royal city and say, here I am. He came as a lowly servant who gave his life. There was a lot more Nathaniel needed to know, but he began to see, and he brought the right question to Philip. You see, the invitation is come and see, not go and convince. Friends, I want you to know we need to bring our questions. We need to be free to bring our questions what we're wrestling with, what we don't understand. It's good to bring our skepticism. Sometimes we think we can't. But I want you to know here, you, you can, and I hope you do. Because it's only when we ask those questions that those barriers begin to get broken through and we begin to understand more fully who Jesus really is. We all need friends, don't we, to bring those questions to to wrestle with together the hard things of life. There are a lot of questions that we have today of the why. Why would God let this happen? Why is this going on? And a lot of times we think, oh, I shouldn't ask that. Well, we see here, yes, you should. <laughs> come and see also means come and bring your questions. Whether you've been following Jesus for a week or you've been following him for 30 years or you're not following him at all and just curious, Come and bring your questions, bring your doubts, bring your skepticism, and have conversations with others where you can learn about who he really is. So what questions do you have, I wonder? If someone were to say, hey, 
We're going to open this up. What questions do you have? What would you bring? Who are you processing your questions with? One of the things you'll hear us speak more about in the next few weeks are community groups. We're going to kick them off in in the beginning of February. And, And friends, we need to be living in community with one another. So many have been isolated for so long, and I'm still hearing people say, you know what? I've not gotten back into it since COVID, even though years have passed since then. We need community. We need to gather around God's Word, learn, grow, follow. But we also bring our questions in those times where there are people around us that are safe that we can ask our questions. It's in those questions that we begin to fully grow. So I'll just on a side, kind of a little blurb, be thinking about joining a community group ahead. Maybe you're in one or maybe you're not. Maybe you don't know who you would be in with. We will help figure that out with you. But I want to encourage you, start praying about God bringing you into a group of community where you can walk, have fellowship, study God's Word, dive into it, and come and see the beauty of our Savior. One of the things that I love every month that we can't do tonight because of the potential snow we're going to get is once a month on Sunday evenings from 5.30 to 7, we have what we call come and see, prayer and praise. From 5.30 to 6, we meet in the prayer room right there. And I just want to encourage you, next month come, because we gather and we hear stories from one another about what God is doing in our lives. And you want to be encouraged. You want to have your faith grow. Come and see. Come and hear these stories of God moving Because he is moving powerfully in our midst these days. And then we gather here for a time of just worship and prayer. So just, we can't do it tonight, but put it on your calendar. Second Sunday of the month, come and see. Last thing we find in this passage is this. As we come and see, what we find is that Jesus already sees us. You see, we come to see him. But there's a greater sense in which Jesus already sees us. And that, friends, is key. In John 1, verses 47 and 48, we read this. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I saw you. Here's what I want to say. Two things. First, Jesus sees us outwardly, and he sees us inwardly. Now, some of you might be thinking, I don't know if I want him to see that, if it's inside of me. You really do, and you'll see why in a minute. But first, Jesus sees us outwardly. I love the reality that that, that before Nathaniel even knew him or who he was or he was even there, Jesus had seen him under this fig tree. Here's what I want to say. Jesus sees you. He sees you. He knows what's going on in your life. He cares about what's going on in your life. And he knows how to meet you right in that place wherever you are. I would gather there's some here today who are saying, I want someone to see me. Well, I want you to hear Jesus sees you. And he knows and he cares. There's never a time that he does not know what's going on in our lives. He is the Son of God, the King of kings, and He sees you right where you are. The second thing we see here is that Jesus sees us inwardly. 
I love what he says about Nathanael. He says, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. What he's saying is, is, Nathaniel, I see you. You're a man of integrity. You're a man of honesty. I see that about you. And, and Nathaniel, I don't think he was this proud man, but somehow when Jesus said that, he realized, wait a minute, he really knows me. Like, he really knows what's inside my heart. He knows about my life. And when he realized that is when he made the proclamation, you are the Son of God, the King of kings. Friends, only God can see what's in our hearts. And only God sees, and as a friend of mine said yesterday, seeing is transformative. Seeing is transformative. I mentioned it a second ago. You might be thinking, I'm a little worried if Jesus were to see everything in my heart. (laughs) I don't know if I want him to. I would respond, oh, but you do. Because when Jesus sees what's in our hearts, he sees us with eyes of transformative grace. Let me finish with this story. It's in, the, it's in uh, John's gospel just a few chapters after. It's a beautiful story of Jesus and this, what's known as the woman at the well. Jesus goes to this well in the middle of the day. It's hot. He goes to get some water. Up comes this woman uh, from Samaria, and people really didn't go to Samaria. She comes up and begins this conversation with Jesus. I love, again, it's a picture of come and see. Jesus starts talking to her. And as they're talking, he all of a sudden reveals something about her that she had not shared with him. And it was this. She had had five husbands. And the man she was now with was not her husband. And Jesus knew it. And he named it because he knew that it was holding her captive. She was looking for love in all the wrong places. But she was standing now face to face with the one who would be the lover of her soul, the true lover of her soul. And so he says this about her, not to shame her, but to set her free. And he does just that. When Jesus sees us, friends, I want you to hear this. He sees you not with eyes of condemnation, but with eyes of transformative grace. She hears this about him. She goes back to her village, and and she goes to the people around her, and we read this. She says, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Now think about the scene. She was just exposed by Jesus. She goes back in the town. By the way, everybody would have known who she was. They would have known what kind of life she lived. And she said, come and see. He He saw everything about my life. You see, the shame was gone. There was forgiveness there so that she could say then, come and see that he would also see you in you and set you free. That's what Jesus does. Here's what we need to understand, friends. Jesus sees us. We all want to be seen. We all want to be known. But we're terrified that if someone knew this piece of my life, this piece of my past, they're going to reject me and not love me. Not so with our Savior. He sees with eyes of transformative grace, and he sees us, and he exposes what's there, and he covers it with his blood so that you and I could be forgiven and set free. That's what's happening in this beautiful scene as Jesus calls his first disciples together. And so what I want you to hear this morning is this, Jesus sees you. He sees you. He knows you. And the invitation is come and see so that 
as followers of Christ, we don't try to go and convince, but we go and tell. We go and invite. Come and see the one who sees all and who came to set us free. Amen? Let's pray. Father, these words are piercing to us this morning. They're challenging. Lord, they're words of hope and life. Father, I pray that you would lead us on this journey ahead, all of us, to come and see and behold you in greater and greater ways. To behold that you are the Son of God, the King of all kings, who comes to give us new life and set us on a new journey this side of heaven. So Jesus, thank you that you came among us. You saw us in our brokenness, in our mess, in our sin. And you went to the cross for us to set us free. Lead us as we walk in the riches of your transformative grace. In Jesus' name, amen.